You're listening to Building Resilient Health Infrastructure with Asper, a podcast from the HHS Asper Critical Infrastructure Protection Division. If you have any questions about this episode, please email us at cip at hhs.gov. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Eltringham, and I am a program analyst with the Asper Critical Infrastructure Protection Division. I'm joined by our division director, Dr. Laura Wolf. How are you, Dr. Wolf? Great as always, Mike. Glad to hear it. Today's question that we're covering on the podcast, how does the healthcare and public health sector respond to disasters? We thought it would be useful today to talk about how our partnership responds. Who are the, the players when we talk about, because you and I, will, we were so kind of ensconced in this world, we'll talk about incident response. We respond, we do this to respond, but to someone who might be you know, a new partner of ours, uh, they might not know. Who do we have at the table? Who are the players when we talk about our HBH sector incident response? That's right, and it's usually a virtual table. So mm-hmm. uh, we're often performing disaster response with partners who are actively assisting in their own facilities response. And so we do a lot via conference calls and through um, website uh, dashboards and, and other means of communication. So who are we talking to? Um, To start first on the government side, I mentioned in one of our previous episodes that we're in ASPR, and ASPR is the lead for emergency support function eight. We manage the Secretary's Operations Center, and we coordinate all that healthcare-specific response uh, within that center. And so we're sitting in there with all the other ASPR players, with a lot of the other HHS and related offices like DOD or Veterans um, Administration, Veterans Affairs. and so we're, we're sitting in that operations center and making sure that private sector needs are considered as we're deploying medical staff down to a disaster. Um, one of the main partners in that response and the coordinator for all the emergency support functions is FEMA. And there's an office uh, within FEMA that was crucial to our response, particularly in Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, and that's the National Business Emergency Operations Center. Uh, that's led by Rob Glenn, who's a great partner of ours, and I hope he'll be on one of our future podcasts to talk about what he does. But within FEMA, that's the office that coordinates among all sectors and tries to assist in prioritizing resources and making those connections across sectors on the private sector side of private sector sharing information and resources with private sector. So they were critically helpful. Um, In many responses, we also utilize um, uh, our our private sector partners in trade associations for amplifying our messages and also for coordinating uh, resource requests or information requests. Um, So, for example, I've mentioned several times how uh, there's a lot of um, manufacturing industry uh, in Puerto Rico. So one of the major trade associations for medical device manufacturers is called AdvaMed. And we were in frequent contact with AdvaMed to learn about where the facilities were on the island, what they were making, what their resource needs were, and what their status was. And that was incredibly helpful to us. We did that with a variety of associations um, in that disaster and others. We are also well-connected through two of our associations, um, ASTO, the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials, and NACHO, the National Association of um, County and City Health Officials. 
critical partners uh, uh, for, for us, uh, ASTO and NATO and other members of the uh, SLTTGCC, the State Local Tribal Territorial Government Coordinating Council, which is one of uh, um, the other sectors of And my favorite government acronym. Isn't that great? SLTTGCC. It's quite a mouthful. Um, so we all talk together to, to share information, understand uh, where the needs are and what the impacts might be. But those, those are the, the main partners that we work with. So, and I think that's interesting to look at, you know, like I said, who's at that virtual table. What happens at that table? How, I guess, talk a little bit about, and I know you touched on it, kind of the, the actual mechanisms, but could you talk a little bit about the communications that happen, not just the mechanisms themselves. Mm -hmm. We know those are through conference calls, through, uh, you know, Adobe Connect dashboards, that kind of thing. But what, what are the discussions like when we have that group together? Absolutely. We try to share information that's otherwise not available publicly. So you can get weather reports uh, that, are, that are pretty clear, but you can't always get reports on where roads are closed, for example, or what help might be coming from the federal level that you can plan for, um, plans of evacuations or, or uh, other information that may not be um, available to the public, and also some of the challenges that are being seen both by the government and the private sector. So we uh, try to um, have these calls, have briefings that are relevant and not otherwise available. Um, we try to share information products uh, via email or over the web uh, coming to us from some of our partners who can do GIS, uh, geospatial mapping of where infrastructure is and um, combine that with layers of, of slosh modeling. Don't ask me to say that acronym. <laughs> I don't um, know that one either. So. <laughs> um, to, to look at where the flooding might be or where very strong winds are expected and we might expect to see infrastructure be impacted. So we try to have these calls uh, ahead of time if it's a, a known event like a hurricane or as soon as we can after an event hits. And I know that you know, obviously, as participating in the responses, you see a lot of not just not just information being shared by our partners, which is always you know a, a big valuable part to us and, and a necessary part for us. Uh, but also, they look to us for information. So, can you kind of talk about some of the more common requests for information, or maybe even requests for assistance and and resources that that we see? Sure, there. The common requests for information are, what do you know that we don't know? That, sure. that is common and resounding, and we're always trying to think of what we can possibly uh, share with the private sector. We are working to be able to share as much as possible. You know, the government has a lot of ways of not classifying information, but, but um, um, keeping it secure. And some of those get in the way of sharing with our private sector partners, and so we've been very active in making sure uh, that we can share information with our partners, that it's not marked FOUO or for official use only unless it really needs to be. And we've also borrowed uh, a practice from the cybersecurity community in using the traffic light protocol of uh, TLP uh, white to red so that we could be very clear with information uh, coming to our partners um, to be really clear if they can share it with everyone they know or if they can only share it with those in their organization or if they can't pass it beyond themselves. So we've, we've tried to be responsive on that and making more information available. Um, but you also talked about resource requests and there are some common themes. So in our sector, 
many different types of facilities have generators. And most of the time when you have generators, you may have three days of fuel or, or more or less, but a majority of, of, of um, facilities may have three days of fuel. And response often lasts more than three days. And so at some point, if it's a, a very dire situation, particularly like what we saw um, in Puerto Rico, we're getting requests uh, where the normal contractor for generator fuel uh, is not delivering and is their government uh, fuel available or, or a prioritized request for that fuel. Similarly, uh, water or prioritized reconnection to power um, or internet services. We heard uh, in Maria from a lot of uh, clinics, uh, chemotherapy clinics, radiation clinics that required that connectivity to the internet in order to provide treatment, and that was the only thing they needed. Otherwise, they were up and running and ready to go. So a lot of those utilities, prioritization requests, and some products like uh, fuel or water are the common requests. I think uh, to, to kind of close the loop on our episode today and just kind of wrap up, we, we talked about the response processes, and there's a lot that goes into all that. This is a very high-level overview. But really quickly, could you touch uh, on the what, what happens after? Once the, the initial response has subsided, what's the process uh, we go through as a partnership and as a division to help us get better for future responses? Absolutely. It's, people always talk about what were the lessons learned, but that, that term is sometimes thrown around because we don't actually learn the lessons. We don't integrate fixes into our existing problems. Um, we, for the first time, actually did a SIP-specific after-action report about how we do our business in communicating with our partners in, in government and private sector, and we have already instituted changes in how we make available our uh, dashboard, how we share information, how we format that information to be most accessible to our partners. We're also looking to some of the data coming out of uh, studies about um, uh, the hurricanes and other disasters to see what we can learn about uh, saving lives better, uh, being more efficient in what we prioritize and preventing cascading challenges after a disaster. Uh, so we are reading the after-action reports of others and trying to document those, those lessons learned and see how we can incorporate them into our work. But I think each of the members of my team really understand how we have to um, build back better ourselves after disaster, uh, both our partnerships and their partners and their infrastructure, but also our team and our knowledge and our readiness to um, react to the next disaster that's going to happen, whether it's something we've seen in the past or it's something novel. And we will leave you on this note. Slosh modeling <laughs> is sea, lake, and overland surges from hurricanes. I just want to make sure we close the loop. Thank you. In case anyone hasn't heard that and gone rushing to their nearest search engine to find out but that's what we like to do we like to address the weaknesses and uh improve them going forward so uh that's our episode everyone thank you so much for listening as always if you have any questions on anything you heard any more questions or information you'd like to hear on the hbh sector partnership or ask for sip division please email us at cip that uh cip at hhs.gov and if you have any feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear that as well. So thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Mike. We'll see you guys next time.